Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And we're in a series called Christian Foundations. And uh, we've seen that uh, as Christians now, we're built upon the foundation of Christ and his death on the cross. And the aim is to build our whole life on that foundation. And how we build is very important. And it's very important, like building a house, that you build the first four floor first. <laughs> you build upwards. And so there are certain revelations, certain doctrines that we need to establish in our life first before we can move on. And in a way, we can't move on until these are established. And we're going through these. There are seven of them all together. And uh, they're outlined in Hebrews 6, verse 1. Let's go there. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles, that's these foundational teachings, the, foundation, the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. And here they are. First, repentance from dead works. Second, faith toward God. Third, doctrine. Fourth, baptisms. And that's what we're going to look at today. Begin, we'll begin to look at that today. And five, laying on of hands. Six, resurrection of the dead. And seven, eternal judgment. And so the fourth area is called the, the area of baptisms. And um, this is a foundational teaching. And in fact, there are three baptisms, three primary baptisms in the Bible, and they are foundational. That should take place right at the start of the Christian life. And in fact, very often in the book of Acts, you see all three baptisms take place on the very same day. The very first baptism is when we receive Christ. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ and into the body of Christ. And so it is also described as being baptized into the body of Christ. It says by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And so the very moment you accept Christ, you are taken out of Adam spiritually and you are put in Christ. Christ is your head. And now in Christ, all Everything changes. You're a new creation. And again, uh, all kinds of things happen in Christ. All the in Christ scriptures, you're the righteousness of God in Christ, um, are true for you. And so that's the baptism into Christ. And then the, bapt then the second baptism is to be baptized in water. And this is commanded upon all believers. And this is actually an outward demonstration, uh, testifying outwardly and publicly of your baptism into Christ. So once you're baptized into Christ, you are to show that forth publicly and testify to the fact that you are now in Christ by acting out what God has done through water baptism. So you have to be saved before you're baptized. That's why infant baptism is, is not biblical. You have to first become a believer who is in Christ, and then you act that out. You testify to your salvation by being baptized in water. And baptism, the word baptism, means to immerse. So it's kind of like you immerse a garment into dye, and then it comes out changed. And so when we're baptized into Christ, we're immersed into Christ, and everything is changed. Likewise, we're baptized into water. We come out the water changed. And there's a third baptism, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
and we'll be dealing with that uh, next time. But the baptism in Christ, we all want to talk about very quickly first, and, but mostly focus on baptism in water. Because, if, for example, if you have not been baptized in water yet as a Christian, there's a major part of your foundation that's out of place. And really, you're not qualified to move on to other things until you're obedient in this area. In fact, this is the very first command that is given to a new believer, is to be baptized in water. And so, if that's lacking in your life, if you haven't been immersed in water as a, as a public demonstration of your faith, then you, you, you haven't put your, this foundation in place. Now, it's, I'm going to give two scriptures that refer to our baptism in Christ, but also you can see that they form part of the picture of baptism in water. The first is Romans chapter 6, verse 3. It says, Don't you know that those who are baptized into Christ Jesus... It's not really talking about water baptism, but our baptism into Jesus and our salvation. But however, what we see will be pictured by water baptism. Don't you know that those baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. If we've been united together in his death, we shall also be his resurrection. Knowing that our old man was crucified with him, if we died with him, if we died with Christ, we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the death, dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For the death he died, he died once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Therefore, reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. And so basically it says, when we were baptized into Christ, we were also baptized into his death, burial and resurrection. And what happened is, through that identification with Christ, we're put in Christ and our old man, our old spirit, was crucified with Christ. It was buried with Christ and in its place was a resurrected spirit called the new man. The old man was crucified with Christ, but now we're also raised with Christ as a new man. And that is the picture of water baptism. That's why sprinkling doesn't count. That isn't the picture. What happens as you go under the, you present yourself for baptism, you are taken under the water. That is the picture that your old man and your old life was buried with Christ. And then when you're raised up out of the water by the elders of the church, that is a picture of God now who has raised you up to new life. So in water baptism, you are acting out that death and resurrection. The old man was crucified and buried with Christ, and you are risen with Christ to a new life. And so it's a picture of death and resurrection that happened in the baptism into Christ. Baptism in water, again, is acting that out. But as we confess what God has done in the Spirit, that actually releases the power of God in your life. And if you're disobedient and you haven't been baptized, you're missing out. Because only when you obey God is the blessing of God released. Baptism doesn't save you in that sense. You must be saved already, but you are missing out on the blessing of obedience. Another verse like this is in Colossians chapter 2. It says, we are complete in him. In him you were circumcised and you were buried with him by baptism in which you were also raised with him by faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So in other words, our baptism into Christ, we were buried with him and we were raised with him. 
When you were put into Christ, you the old man was dead and buried, and then you received a resurrection of your new man. And your new man, your new spirit man, is consists of the resurrection life of Jesus. It's raised above sin and sickness. And in baptism, as I said, you're actually acting out what God has done for you. And so every Christian who, who, who has truly received Jesus must be baptized. It's not an optional extra. It's an act of obedience to God's command. And um, it's, don't say you don't feel led to be baptized. The Bible commands it. Um, Jesus was baptized uh, himself to give us an example to follow. And he said it was the right thing to do. Let's read about Jesus' baptism, shall we, in Matthew 3. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan, Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? Now, of course, Jesus uh, was sinless, and John's baptism was all about baptism for the forgiveness of sin. So he says, I can't baptize you, Jesus. You don't need it. I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus answered. He didn't disagree with him. He answered and said to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fulfilling for us to fulfill all righteousness. And notice what Jesus said. And when you read it carefully, Jesus is actually bringing in a new form of baptism. This is not John's normal baptism going on here because, as I said, it's for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus didn't need that. Notice Jesus was already righteous. And he says, but John, we need to fulfill all righteousness. And Jesus was giving us the model for Christian baptism. You see, when you come to be baptized, you are already righteous in Christ. You don't get baptized to get saved, to get right with God. You are right with God if you've accepted Jesus. He is your righteousness. But now you are righteous before God. Now you need to fulfill all righteousness in your life. In other words, as you live out the righteous life, if you live out God's will, you are fulfilling righteousness in your life. And the first thing you need to do to fulfill righteousness in your life is to actually be baptized. It's the fulfilling of righteousness. Not to make yourself righteous, but to fulfill righteousness, to, be, to establish the, uh, the principle of obedience in your life. That, and so John permitted him. When he'd been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. So Jesus gives us the example. He was baptized by immersion. He came up out of the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and abiding on him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Notice the whole Trinity was involved at his baptism. The Father was approving of him and saying, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. And if when you're baptized, God will be saying from heaven, That's my boy, that's my son, my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because they're obeying me. And then the, Jesus was there, of course, and then the Holy Spirit came from the Father and came upon Jesus. And that's the example. Jesus was baptized by full immersion, and then he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And when you uh, obey God in baptism, you can expect the Holy Spirit to fill you in a special way, to empower you. Because in baptism, you're dedicating yourself to God, to be his disciple. And God's power will come on you to empower you to do that. 
Having been baptized himself as our example, Jesus commanded his disciples to preach the good news and then baptize all new believers. Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Notice, he says, he who believes doesn't believe will be condemned. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be baptized to be saved. But what it is saying is that if you are a believer, then of course you'll be baptized. I mean, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord, then you'll do what your Lord tells you to do, which is to be baptized. So when you're baptized, you are proving that you're a real believer. You're producing a, an act of obedience that demonstrates you've accepted Jesus as Lord. Until you are baptized, there's a big question mark about whether truly you are submitted to Jesus as your Lord because you're disobeying his first command to you as a new believer. He who has believed, in other words, Jesus expects those who believe to be baptized. Notice Jesus does not even discuss people who believe and are not baptized. Those who are not baptized, they're being disobedient, but it might be because they're under false teaching or something else. I'm not saying they're not saved, but Jesus doesn't even comment on those people who believe and are not baptized because that's just inconsistent. So you're saved through believing, through, you're saved through faith, but if you do believe, then surely you'll be baptized. And so Jesus is quite strong on that point. Um, so we must, again, notice it says, believing comes first, and then you must be baptized. And so you must be old enough to believe before you can be baptized. Infant baptism is something that developed in church history, a church tradition that's in conflict with the Word of God. And then in Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Everyone who believes in you, make them disciples. How? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Now notice, baptism. you make disciples first by baptizing them. In other words, Baptism is the official initiation into discipleship. You cannot really call yourself a disciple of Jesus until you are baptized because a disciple is someone who follows and obeys his Lord's commands. And so if you don't even follow the first thing that he tells you to do, which is to be baptized, you can't really call yourself a disciple of Jesus. And so it's, baptism is the official entry into discipleship. Really, two things are happening when you're being baptized. First of all, you're making a public testimony to your faith that you've accepted Jesus. Jesus is your Lord. You've died to your old life. You're risen to a new life, and you are testifying that through the act of baptism. But the second thing is also a, you are making a serious commitment to God to say, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. I am his disciple. And through baptism is the official entry. Through, through the waters of baptism, you are officially dedicating yourself and becoming a disciple. So he says, make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then the life of a disciple is teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, coming under the word of God and putting every part of the word of God into practice. But the first act of obedience is being baptized in water, submitting to water baptism. And so it's for all nations. Notice in the Great Commission, 
is the preaching of the gospel, everyone who believes to be baptized and then start on a life of discipleship. That's the Great Commission. And the early Christians practiced water baptism by full immersion diligently. We see that in the book of Acts. Uh, for instance, in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, when they, when they, say to, when they uh, repent of their sins, Peter says, repent, and that's the repentance of salvation for the remission of sins. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've actually got all three baptisms there. When they repented, they were baptized into Christ. And then they were baptized very quickly after that in water. And then they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the baptism in the Spirit. And so all three baptisms should happen, ideally, quickly together as a foundation for the Christian life. We see in Acts 8, when the Samaritans believed, uh, they were baptized and there was great joy. Uh, we read the story in Acts 8 also about Philip who uh, preached the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch and they were traveling along uh, and um, there was a pool that they passed and uh, immediately the man said to Philip, What's, I, I, want, I need to be baptized, will you baptize me? And so rather than sprinkling them out of the water they had in the carriage, he took them into the pool and uh, he didn't need a degree in Christianity to be baptized, it was done on that same day. And Pete, Philip said, yes, you can be baptized if you believe with all of your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. And he, it says he went down into the water and was baptized. The Apostle Paul, very soon after his conversion in Acts 9, was baptized in water. And then, of course, in Acts chapter 10, the Gentile Pentecost, um, as soon uh, as Peter was preaching to them, they believed, they were baptized into Christ, and then the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they began speaking in tongues. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and so Peter said, well, I can't prevent them receiving baptism in water, because they're clearly believers. God has put his spirit upon them. And so they were immediately baptized in water. In Acts 16, when the Philippian jailer was, was uh, saved by believing in Christ, he and his whole, whole household were baptized in water. And, and Paul in Acts 19, he, uh, he came across some disciples of John the Baptist in Ephesus. He preached the gospel to them. And then immediately he baptized them in water and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and so again, right in that, within a few minutes, they received all three baptisms. And so if you, if you are, uh, and so the pattern in the book of Acts is that the believers took the Great Commission very seriously, that very quickly after they received Christ, that salvation was sealed, as it were, it was proclaimed. Uh, the person uh, testified to their salvation by going through water baptism and declaring that they have di they've died with Christ, they've risen with Christ, and they're starting a brand new life. God has ordained baptism to mark the beginning of a brand new life, a totally new life, that through the ordinance of baptism, it stamps at home on us that the old life is finished with, it's dead and buried, and now we are risen to a new life. 
and then the Spirit of God will come on that new believer, empowering him to live that new life. And so baptism is commanded on all believers. There, and if you have not been baptized in water, you, you need to find uh, a church that, that will do that for you because your, your disobedience is, is, is a serious issue. Um, and so these are the three Bible baptisms. We're baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. We're baptized in water by the elders of the church usually. And we're baptized in the Spirit by Christ. Christ is the baptizer in the Spirit. We'll get to Holy Spirit baptism later. But um, water baptism is a sacrament. It's a symbolic physical act that has a spiritual effect because in Hebrew thinking, the, the um, physical and the spiritual are closely linked. And so when you're obedient in the physical, it releases the spiritual power and the spiritual reality behind that. So it's not an empty ritual. You're, by confessing and acting out your salvation, you, re you release the power of that into your life. Confession is made unto salvation. And so it's pictured as a burial. We, they were, we were buried with Christ. And so in a way, water baptism also is a burial. It's a chance for you to say, Lord, when I go under this water, all the baggage from my past life, I leave it under the water. I bury it. Lord, let, that, let this be a burial of whatever will get in the way of following you with all my heart. And, and the, my favorite picture of baptism is that it's a bath. Not, again, the physical is a picture of the spiritual. We're in, in, in a pool of water, but it's also, this is a picture of a spiritual bath. We see this in Acts 22 when the Apostle Paul was saved. And um, you can imagine, and he, he goes, I think, to, to a house and he's blind, I think, for three days. And he must be having all kinds of funny feelings. On the one hand, he's joyful. He's finally found the Messiah, Jesus. On the other hand, he's feeling very guilty that, oh, I've been the number one enemy of God, persecuting the Christians, the people of Christ. Jesus made it personal. He said, you persecuted me. And so he would have had these positive and negative feelings. And notice what Ananias says to him in Acts 22:16. He says, now, Paul, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And, and there's a lot in this. He says, now it's time to be baptized and baptism is powerful. He says, in baptism, you wash away your sins. Now that's very interesting to me. In other words, baptism is a bath. How come you wash away your sins? In, from one point of view, Paul had been a believer for three days because he said, Lord, he's, and, and when Ananias came in, he said, Brother Saul, he, he was a believer in Christ. So his sins were forgiven. But there's a difference between forgiveness and washing or cleansing. Forgiveness means God has officially forgiven you. He's wiped the slate clean as far as he's concerned. But even when we're forgiven, we can still feel the guilt and the shame in our heart of our sin. And we need that to be washed away. That needs to be cleansed because usually it's because we can't forgive ourselves. And, and so we feel that shame. And that's how Paul was feeling. 
the shaman, and without the cleansing of that, Paul could never have been the man of God that he did. He couldn't have followed Jesus with all his heart. He'd been crippled by this guilt. And so God provided baptism as a way to wash away his sins. And so supernaturally, as he was baptized, as he went under the water, that burden, he was already forgiven, but that, um, that guilt and that shame uh, of persecuting God's people was washed away supernaturally by God. And I say this to anyone who is uh, coming for baptism. I say, look, there's probably baggage in your past life, things that you're ashamed of, things that still seem to have a grip on you that get in the way and God wants to set you free so that you can follow Jesus with all of your heart. And so believe and ask God that as you go into the waters of baptism, you, you leave that behind under, in the water and as you come out the water, the power of that thing is broken. It, it has no power over you anymore. You are cleansed, you are washed free from that thing in your past and you can go full speed ahead for God. So notice he says, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And I believe what that is, is saying right now, and Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, you see, and what a power he became for God. And, and basically in baptism, we are committing ourselves to say, God, I want to follow you with all my heart. I want to be your disciple, but I need your power. Even Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill his ministry. And as he was being baptized, what was he doing? He was already committing himself to God. He was symbolically saying, I'm going to die and rise again. And I need, I need your power to fulfill that ministry. God has a ministry for you. He has things he wants you to do. He wants you to live that Christian life. But you've got to realize you can't do it in your own strength. You need the power of God for your life and, and for your ministry. And so that's what it means, calling on the name of the Lord. When you're being baptized, particularly, call on the name of the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to live for you, but I can't do it myself. Lord, I'm asking for your strength. I'm asking for your power to fill me. Lord, let your spirit come upon me and, and release your gifts in my life. Call on the name of the Lord and expect the Holy Spirit to come on you like he came on Jesus. That's the full picture of baptism. And that's what happened to Paul. He called on the name of the Lord and, and God filled him with the Holy Spirit. And he says, I spoke with tongues more than you all in, to the Corinthians. So Paul released a powerful, in his baptism was powerful is what I'm trying to say. It's not just a ritual. It's a powerful moment, a key moment in your spiritual life. And if you're not baptized, you are missing out. Your obedience is lacking and you are limiting what God can do in your life. So I do encourage you to be baptized and that is an important foundation stone in your life. Without it, the building of your Christian life is, is going to be wobbly. God bless you. If you're interested in a DVD of any of our programs, uh, that is available to you uh, for £5. You can even order a list from us uh, that gives all the previous programs. Actually, a lot of them are on YouTube. We eventually put them up on YouTube. But uh, you can get your own DVD of each program just by phoning the church office and, and ordering it from us. And if you need a list of the programs, we can also make that available to you. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel.
You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.